SMQBs. This is episode 62. We got a mailbag update. Uh, NBA first round playoff update going on. A Jay Wright appreciation for the homers from Philly. And then it is NFL draft week, and you will not want to miss our preview of the draft. Some interesting discussion. A couple punchable faces of the week. Can't escape the SMQB punches. And then a couple good lassos. Hey, check us out. Leave us a review. Hope you have fun listening. Thanks. And from the people, climb up on the booth. Hanging from the people on the people. My hands are roof. Dancing on the ceiling. On the people, I got people on the... Dancing on the people, I got people. SMQBs, this is episode 62. Pretty bleak out here in the 60s, fellas. We're going to uh, we're have to do two episodes a week to crank through these. Uh, yeah. but <laughs> let's see if we get... I, I will be stunned if anybody gets this. I mean, anybody. Oh, man. But this number 62 was born in Abbeville, South Carolina. He was one of the hardest working and underfinanced racers to ever drive a car. Racers? You went racing? He has a nickname that he got when he landed himself in a lake once. And this is what really got my attention. Like most early NASCAR drivers, I'm giving it away now. Well, wait a minute. He was a... As if we didn't know a guy born in South Carolina was a NASCAR driver. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) But, oh, he, gee, was also, he was Formula One. He let's just say he got his NASCAR uh, stripes by because he was a bootlegger who was delivering moonshine to yes. all his customers. That's where he uh, developed his skills. He competed in 232 races over a seven-year career from 1959 to 1965. He earned about sixty thousand dollars, which was close to half a million uh, adjusted for inflation. Of course, today's inflation, it might be more like 750000 And the average starting in 19th place, his average finish was 15th place. Doesn't sound like he was very good. Good Lord, did, could you have been any more difficult to find somebody? This yeah, is, well, you want to find the good best 62? 62? I, I have a 62 for you. This future this, this, Hall of Fame you know, center of the Philadelphia on. Eagles. Go ahead. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, this guy That's was fight. the Florida State champion, champion in 72, 73, and 74. And he had a book he released. Come on, you guys didn't read The Road to Daytona? Kale Yarborough. No, no, but I'm, I appreciate too, the effort, Rooster. I appreciate young. the effort. I can't like, think. I can't think of any old time. Our number like Darryl sixty-two. Waltrip, Darryl he, Waltrip, the problem is, is the problem is he didn't. Win. He's got somebody who never won. So yes, that's right. It's, it's an average NASCAR fan. NASCAR Curtis driver. Crawfish Crider is oh your number God. sixty-two. Oh, that's that's first of officially. I still, I still, I still won't get that what? tomorrow. The fuck? You sure won't. You sure won't. But listen, Jason the, uh, Kelsey wants to punch you in the face for uh, this. All right. Well, wow, listen. Bring it on, Kelsey. Wow. I mean, yeah. you know, wow. look. Uh, if there was a, if there was another competitor, it was going to be Jim Langer, who was uh, played center for the Dolphins on, on all those good teams. But he switched his number at some point to 58. Oh so God. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that he gets in there. Well, 62 is so, a tough one. So Jason kept the, the kept the mispronunciation of his name, right? And then that's his right. brother went with Kels. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, he should get punched in the face for that. If you can't, <laughs> you can't agree on the, you can't agree on how to produce, how to pronounce your last name. You know, go fuck yourself. I can't. So. I can't wait till we get to hundred. We stop this exercise. We jump the shot. Oh no, we're gonna go back to one, and because hey, we started. We didn't start it till like the thirties. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Um, you know, before you guys get all bent out of shape and everything, uh, we do have a mailbag that we we should get to here, uh, and and listen to. So nice. let's see cool. here. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure this is gonna make anybody happy, but no, uh, no. okay, whatever. No. So let's yeah, see. Huh? Get this way. Uh, how about here? Kind of be- be- before we play game. this, let's not react by ripping the person who sent it in because then no one will be sending us <laughs> mailbags ever <laughs> again after it's the last lovely. one. Well, then what's the fun? <laughs> yeah, that's I don't think we're going to be able to help. Oh, okay, okay, right. okay. Oh, here, we go. here we go. All mm-hmm. right. Can we punch him? All right, you guys are way off on the complaints about the college basketball players transferring and the NIL and all that. I understand that it makes it a little bit more difficult for the universities, but you kind of sounded like cranky old white guys talking about how much harder it is for the big businesses while all these kids go get the money that the rest of us would be able to get. The NCAA has had an entire business model just raking these kids over the coals for decades and making billions of dollars while the kids get nothing. Now the NCAA just has to sleep in the bed it's made. The kids have the same rights as all the rest of us in this country that they can go wherever they want and make whatever money they want when they want. I frankly don't care if that makes it harder for the universities. Plus college sports, we root for schools. We like coaches because they're there for a while, but kids are always flashes in the pan. So let these kids go make their money, just like the rest of us. NCAA be damned. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Nick Verderame from Arizona. You sound like you learned your crying from Chris Paul very well. Yeah. Thanks for the the gratuitous slur against us, too. You sawed off a little. Oh, never mind. (laughs) To be fair. The Platner Verderami law firm is clearly now doing NIL deals and he's trying to get people to come to Arizona. Yeah, that's right. But to be fair, though, when I look around the screen, I do see a bunch of curmudgeon, grumpy old white men. So I can't say that he's totally off on that. Yeah, so, I, I told him he had a fair point, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I take it all I back. I want Nick something. to take us to the Phoenix Open next year on Super Bowl Sunday. Great comment, Nick. That was awesome. Good job, Nick. Nick. Nice work, Nick. Well, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a problem with NIL. In fact, because of NIL, Carolina is going to get another run into the Final Four next year. Oh, These guys God. all came back, back to fucking making Carolina. money. Somehow no, no, they're going to be making money. Carolina is not the only program. I'm just saying that NIL is, is helping some of these guys come back who were going to otherwise have gone pro and probably, you know, not been drafted or been drafted late in the second round. This is this is helping okay, some of these yeah, guys stay right. in college. All right. Well, let's watch. It's How's it going to help rich, the Alabama football team? How's it going to help Alabama's football team? Do we, right, should we yeah, go down that road too while we're here? So, well, if you want. <laughs> let's move on instead to uh, a little NBA uh, uh, update on the playoffs. Um, we're in we're in month one of six months of NBA playoffs. Uh, Pope, why don't you give us a little update? At least kick us off here. Sure. I You know, the NBA playoffs are – in the in the West, especially, are you know the stories are really coming out about how the competitive uh, uh, seating is. You know the eight, the one, the seven, two, and the four, five 
uh, series are probably going to go at least six, maybe seven games now. Uh, obviously, with game five, there's two, two, uh, two for three series. The, the Pelicans last night, you know, made a statement win. I know the Suns don't have Booker, but um, look out. They are up and, and coming, and they're getting more confidence as they go. Uh, can the Suns hold them off? Uh, you've got the Grizzly and um, T-Wolf matchup. Uh, big game five in Memphis coming up. Can Ja finally uh, come back and, and do what he'd been doing the rest of the season? And, you know, I'll be honest, guys, Dallas has uh, got a big game tonight. I'll be there. Um, and I'm not, I'm a little worried if we're bringing Luca back, uh, and upsetting some of the chemistry, which we'd seen in games two and three with Brunson and, and, uh, and the other guys, you know, is, is, uh, is Luca potentially causing uh, a problem, especially at the end of the game on who gets the ball. They had a horrific, uh, execution. They were up by four and still lost the game with 30 seconds left in game four. So, um, other than that, you know, the, the uh, Warriors are going to clean out the uh, Nuggets the next game. Um, but the West is very interesting. East, who's got the East? Hey, did you, anybody see that latest protest at the Wolves game? How about the yeah. security The woman guard. who dressed up, the, the woman down. who dressed up as a ref. Yeah, you, you guys wanna, should get the you guys should get that security guard on the Giants. He's a good tackler. Good stuff. This is good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh. How how insane, like put into perspective what's happening in this Suns Pelicans uh matchup. I mean, this is crazy, right? That it is two it's tied, right? There were 28 games separating the two at the end of the year, and the the Pelicans started off one and twelve. And right. yet they some would argue have an upper hand now uh going into the final three games because Phoenix looks lost without Booker. Um, can Phoenix win? Sure. But I mean, New Orleans is playing with a lot of confidence and I'm guessing that, uh, Toby, your boys are getting pretty happy. Down there. Yeah, they didn't look too lost in game three though. The when Chris Paul single-handedly pulled out that game at the end. I just don't think he can do that back to back anymore. No, That's but, the but problem. isn't it even, I mean, the Pelicans, weren't they like the ninth seed in the play in? Yeah. But yeah. they were one in, when they were one in 12, then you were 10 have McCullough on the, on the team. They were ten in the play-in. I thought they were ten, and then they I won. I think they were eight. the nine, but yeah, I think they, they were, were nine. nine. No, the they ten the was nine. San Antonio, but but uh, I think actually the story of this first round is seeing the energy from these normally also rans or maybe not even make the playoffs, like the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New Orleans Pelicans, to see these stadiums rocking. Mm. Um, the Smoothie King Center, which I love, they're now calling it the Blender. What a great nickname for a stadium! <laughs> but uh, yes, the, the the Blender was rocking last night, and they're developing. You know how the playoffs always develops, like some from like out of nowhere. These uh, you know cult heroes like Caruso or Van Fleet from a few years ago. Well, this year yep. it's this guy Jose Alvarado who shut down CP3 and just blew the lid off that place in New Orleans last that is night. Head. I just think that uh, I don't know. Part of me is I. I really want to see the. I know it's just injuries part of the game, but right now we're missing Chris Middleton, Devin Booker, yeah. And Bede has a torn ligament in his thumb. Luca was out. 
I, I would love to see these M- NBA playoffs with these superstars full throttle. And right now, yeah, we might see some upsets in the West, but it's only going to be because of injury. I think for the most part, I mean, the, the sun, the sun series is no series. If, but if it, Booker's there, it took an injury um, to Zion or Brandon uh, Ingram and, and McCulloch to shine the way they are. I mean, those two guys are, are playing out of their minds. Yeah. I hope this scoring just beautiful. You know, Brandon is scoring at will at at times in these games. For all the talent that New Orleans has lost over the years, none bigger than AD. I hope that this success, even if they lose to the Suns, I hope the energy in that full stadium and McCollum coming over is reason for Zion to leave because for them to lose another potential max player would stink. And so if you actually have, is reason for him to leave or is reason for him to reason you know, stay, I, I'm stay. sorry if I misspoke. I want him to stay. I want Zion. Yeah. I would love to see Zion and McCollum and Ingram next year. I think that would be a pretty good core. Yeah. Yeah. Sure would. No chance. For, for at least he four games. Out of there. He is and out Zion of there. gets hurt again. Well, listen, um, I rarely make predictions on my own team, but I just want to say to Paul Miller, by the time you're listening to this, <laughs> I, hope jaw. You, I hope you enjoy your tea time in Toronto. Oh, wow. Ah, yeah, you're calling. Bro. Are you predicting yeah. they're, are they gone fishing as uh, the TNT boys? Like they, they, we cannot let this go back to Toronto. Should have been a sweep, man. It should Sixers are going to close What's, it out. What's the, uh, what's the worry level on Embiid right now? It's, it's pretty worrisome. I mean, Doc Rivers says it's not a good injury, and it's a torn ligament in his shooting oh. hand thumb. He can't apparently can't shake hands or give a high five or anything. And yet he's still playing his full minutes and blocking shots and taking shots. I mean, you compare that to the Ben Simmons fiasco. It's really well, hard. It's hard not to respect him. Can, 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 can I, can I ask a favor though? Can we stop using oxygen in this world to talk about Ben Simmons? Hmm. Is he worth right the after air? this show? Fine. <laughs> I'm putting an embargo on Ben Simmons talk after this episode tonight. We'll we'll get to it, but I I think the reason there is to talk about it is because of this whole contract dispute piece. Setting aside for for a second that he's a pussy and a fraud, I think that the fact that he wants to claim $20 million and insult people who really truly do have mental health problems, um, it will shake the core of the NBA, if players can just sit out whenever they want, don't play for teams who want and still get paid. Um, all that said, and I, and of course I love you guys know, I love my Sixers bleed blue, the whole thing. I'm watching the Celtics team. I, I'm going to put a marker down. I literally think they're winning the NBA championship this year. I really I do. I agree with you. They're unbelievable. Rooster was right the way they're moving the ball, but their defense is beyond suffocating. Mm-hmm. And now they have Williams back and he's playing. He's their second best defender. He's playing like he was never hurt. Wow. I think they're winning it all. Sucks. Well, and, and aren't they playing the Bucks in uh, round two? Yeah, that's who it would be. Woo. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. The East yeah. is the East is definitely going to form. I mean, you have three series that are basically well, actually all the series are basically over. Um, all right. Question. Of the three series in the West that are 2-2, which one do you give the most likely for an upset? Um, Jazz-Mavs wouldn't be an upset either way, would it? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the Mavs are a four seed. 
I say the T Wolves. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the Suns right. hold on. I think the Mavs hold on, uh, but I think the T Wolves pull it off. Well, and it's not because of an injury to to the uh, to the Grizz. It's because T Wolves are just they're they are coming on. Yep. Well, four more months to go, Bison, of this. Yeah. It's almost as long as baseball now. Yahoo. It might be. (laughs) At least Ben Simmons won't have any more possible performances. Only the the NHL playoffs are longer. So are we going to talk about Simmons in in the punchable face segment, or are we finished? We'll get to him later. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, Well, listen, this is is, uh, um, House. You're getting a point of personal privilege here on this one because um, I'm not sure anybody else really gives a shit. But go ahead. I know, I know, you big big East fans give a shit. Uh, I just think are we talking about Jay Wright now, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, listen. Well, that's enough of that topic. Should we right. move on? That sounds I, good. If I work in other coaches, maybe you guys will enjoy this more. But this isn't. <laughs> this is the end of an era. Um, while I don't want to take away the stage from Jay Wright, 13 months, within 13 months, we lost Roy Williams, Coach K, Jay Wright. Here's what the numbers are. 2,747 wins, 26 Final Fours, and 10 National Championships between those three. That's a lot of coaching talent. But the real shock is that Jay Wright did it at the age of 60. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that you did that mailbag from Nick Verderame because I think Nick Verderame's mail piece is a large part of why Jay Wright is retiring at 60. First of all, I think he just wants to, he legitimately wants to be with his family. I don't think we're going to see him in the NBA. I don't think we're going to see him in the NCAA. I, I, I think maybe we'll see him on TV some, but this is a new face of an NCAA and you just, you have to approach it with accepting that there's going to be, a transfer portal and NILs, and it's a totally different culture. It's a way different culture than the kind of culture Jay Wright instilled in Villanova. Um, look, the guy went out on top, 520-plus wins, four Final Four appearances, two national championships. Many say his best coaching job this past year when a team completely overachieved getting to a Final Four with probably no one that's going to play in the NBA. And um, – Notwithstanding all of the SMQB hate towards Philly, I think even you guys could give a nod towards Jay Wright and the coaching job that he did over the right. years. Class don't, act. For, don't forget he lost his second best scorer on the team uh, well, during, I, during, listen, during the bracket, during the March Madness. Yeah. And they still made Alice, it. I, 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 was, I was teasing a little bit, obviously. I mean, we, we exchanged some text over it. I mean, I, you know, look, I think a week ago or two weeks ago, I was saying that he was the heir apparent to Coach K. Uh, and, and really, you know, what I, what, what I mentioned to you was, I think what, what Wright did, he made Villanova what Georgetown should have been. Now, the, the question is, can it repeat, you know, a smaller school, Villanova, very similar to Georgetown and size and academic requirements, that sort of thing. It can, can Villanova figure out how to maintain this level? Because certainly with, with one little blip, Georgetown didn't. Um, and so can can Villanova figure out how to continue on with a big program? Or do these little schools catch lightning in a bottle for a minute 
with a with a coach who knows how to run a program and then sort of just can't really keep up later. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to to watch that and see. I mean, you know, it's it's been a nice long run, but but you're not it's not going to be easy to replace him. And, and I'll be very curious to see if the Villanova uh, luster, you know, stays or stays or if yeah. it wears yeah. off. Yeah. The experiment. Tell us, tell us about who's going to replace. Him. Yeah, this guy Kyle Neptune came from Fordham. He had one year at Fordham. He started out at two and twelve, and finished sixteen and sixteen. He went on a sixteen four run and took Fordham to the deepest they've been in, albeit a, a minor conference, the A ten. But he took them to the deepest they've been since two thousand seven in fifteen years. He's got a suffocating defensive style. He was an assistant coach to Jay Wright, a video assistant years ago. You know, I was just going to mention, Pope, that like it's interesting to see how schools decide to move on to their next coach, whether they keep it in the family like a Hubert Davis or John Thompson, the third or whatever number he was, or a Patrick Ewing on Shire or Shire, or whether you go and you say, I'm going to take a young coach who knows how to recruit and coach and communicate in today's NCAA and deal with today's environment. I think this is going to be a really interesting comparison to a guy like Kyle Neptune, who they're touting as the new model of an NCAA coach versus somebody like, you know, a Hubert Davis or a Patrick Ewing or John Shire. But wait, Neptune is part of the Villanova family though. He is in terms of being an assistant coach there. He he never played there or anything like that. I mean, it is, it runs within the family, but not as deep as some of those other guys. And well, we'll see. Well, I'll be, I'll be rooting for him. I mean, you're, you're right. We, and we've talked about this before. I mean, like, you know, college basketball, biggie. I mean, for me, I root for the conference. I I do, you know, I want, I want Georgetown to win the conference every year and be the best program in in the conference, but I'm rooting for Villanova to be successful. I want, I want our conference to be as strong as possible. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm rooting for UConn, but if they're out, I'm rooting for the Big East. And and uh, this guy was a class act for his entire career at Villanova, and I've always admired him. Here's to Jay Wright. Yeah, it, it you know it might be time to start thinking about how successful Georgetown and Villanova will be at the Division Three level in ten years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> maybe maybe we should start going there. There's nothing like replacing your coach with a guy who went 16 and 16. Listen, buddy, I, I think you just I think you just got somebody from um, Louisiana Lafayette and, you know, yeah, whatever. Right. Billy Napier, the two yeah, people that you just like hired. Four, who cuts his own hair with an axe. Once, once, the F, once the FBI gets done going through the SEC, we'll see how your basketball, te- yeah, your basketball teams right. are. So. Good luck in the NIT. Good luck in the NIT next year, Milk. The the appropriate rip would have been that we hired a guy that coached at the University of San Francisco or whatever. The Dons. The Dons. Too easy. All right. Well, listen. uh, Cheers to Jay Wright. Good luck. Enjoy your retirement. Uh, Don't come back. Good riddance. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. let's, uh, Let's move right along. Rooster, it's draft week. Psych. week I love I love Rooster's the draft. I don't know why. Week. I love the draft. This is People, it. There's, there's, there's not a lot excited. of excited. 
there's not a lot of buzz for this draft. I don't know. I, I think there should be, but just because there aren't a bunch of great quarterbacks coming out doesn't mean there aren't a bunch of really uh, solid players at, at other key positions. It's really deep and strong at some really key positions, and House is going to be talking about that in a minute. Um, and there are multiple teams that have, uh, you know, two picks in the first round. It's it's going to be exciting to see what teams do. Um, you know, for example, the Jets, my God, the Jets have the, what do they have, the fourth and the tenth. They also have the 35th and the 38th pick. They have four really high picks. I mean, the Jets are going to be. And they will fuck up each <laughs> one of them. Yeah, they could. They no could. So funny. about it. It's amazing. Look, I'm a Giants fan, as you all know. We have five and seven and also 36. I will be very disappointed if they don't walk away with a combination of either Ike Iquanamu or whatever the hell his name is and or Neil at, at offensive tackle and uh, Sauce or Kayvon Thibodeau on defense. If we can get... That kind of a combination with those two picks, my God, what a change that will make on this team. That would be amazing. Trade, and then you better trade up if you want no, those guys. Not, hey, well, Rooster, which wait, Rooster, which picks? What number of picks do you have? Five and seven. Five and Ooh. seven. So, which which player do that you drafted five and seven? Will you be trading a year from now? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, Evan Neal is solid. Iquanu is solid. Uh, I, we, we'll keep either of those guys. Aren't you trading right your first tab. round pick? Yeah, I'm guessing. Last year? I'm guessing they're going to trade one of those guys to the that Eagles, guy, then trade he, down for a. You shoot. know what? You know what? The, <laughs> that guy. T- thanks, Milk, for recommending. Way your, to go, Milk! Your Gator to us. That <laughs> that guy may be the reason that we pass on Kayvon uh, Thibodeau if he's available, because now the Giants are spooked by people who have behavior issues i think there's nothing wrong with Thibodeau, though he's all well, he's he's just about marketing he's not he's un, hadn't done anything you know illegal or anything like that they need to lighten up on him he's too much talent to pass up but the lions have the two the 32 and the 34 so they they're they could walk away with the best player in the draft and a replacement for golf the texans have two in the first round the eagles um House, they have 15 and 18. What do you are you going to draft a wide receiver for the third year in a row? They probably might. from Alabama. They they might. They definitely like Jamison Williams. They definitely like. I don't think uh, Drake London from USC. He if they pick one, I he think it'll there. probably be Alave from Ohio State or Traylon Burks from Arkansas. But I think they're going to go defense. Traylon Burks showed up at the combine weighing like 245 pounds and put in like a four or five five. He, uh, he, I think he might have hurt himself. Yeah, that that, that that actually might help some teams who can well, get him a little later on because his his video is tells a way different story. So the you're, Saints, you're not, you're not going to take a quarterback house. <laughs> I would like to do it just for this podcast. <laughs> the the Saints have a couple of picks right around uh, the Eagles' picks, sixteen and nineteen, and then interestingly, Green Bay. And Kansas City have two picks each. I mean, perennial powerhouses that haven't lost a step. Milk's going to talk about that, I'm sure, in a bit. Um, And then uh, there are teams out there with zero first-round picks, some for good reason. They've they've made some great moves in the offseason, like the Dolphins, Broncos, 
The Browns got Deshaun Watson, um, but the Bears have nothing. They got they've got nothing to show for it. Um, the Colts have nothing in the first round. The Niners are about to maybe lose Debo, and they don't have a first round pick to replace him. Um, Man, I think that's a that's an interesting point though you raise, Richard. I mean, like you know, you say that these teams don't have first round picks because they made good moves. I don't know. Is it ever really a good move to trade away a, a first round pick? I mean, I think there's a lot of lot there to be. I think the Rams have proven that the answer is yes. Um, yes. The, you, the yeah, Ram, that's fair yeah. for the Rams. And and for yeah. the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins are a next level team next year with Tyreek. Oh boy, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to be curious to see how that shakes out. And Tua, right? The Raiders have Devonte Adams. I don't know what I can't remember what they traded to get him, but that's a giant step up for them. I think Denver's move was smart. You know, you talk about a team that was close already. I think Russell Wilson's best days are behind him, but I can yeah, see that's, the, I can that see is the not point. true. That is crazy. I, I think it is. I think I think you're right, Rooster. I don't know. I just I think the same thing about Tyreek though. You know, Tyreek is a speed guy, and 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 he's you know he's been incredibly successful because he's that much faster than everybody else. But it's the NFL, man. If he loses half a step, now he's just just the same, just a fast guy. And there's a lot of fast guys. Well, that's NFL, what I think. So. That if the Eagles are lucky enough to get Williams, that's what they're getting. Tyreek level speed, and and yards after catch. Well, I do think that the, the, the Tyreek, even how the Dolphins started to use Waddle uh, and of course, Debo, I think that's a new model that people are going to be chasing to get in the draft is that type of Waddle Debo Tyreek guy that can run the ball out of the backfield, can catch the ball yards after catch, you know, run the fly route and burn everybody that that's, it's not necessarily, you know, the Megatron six, five, whatever 210 receiver it's the speed guy yeah i mean if you have a guy who can get behind the defense uh it just changes it changes a lot about the game right i mean it changes a lot of it changes the the defense that gets called on the field uh and it just opens up a lot of things i mean it really does now the flip side of that is having the big 65 220 230 pound guy that that's a great third down receiver to have, right? I mean, if you right. if you got third and six and you got that body out there, of course that that position is getting filled by a lot of tight ends these days. Or these tight ends are so fast and quick. They're they're as big, you know, as big as tight ends, but they play like wide receivers. So even a guy like Cooper Cup's tall and weighs is at least two fifteen, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how prove and, me prove me right? There's some good deep positional. Uh, okay. Prospects in this draft, don't you think? So here's the deal: if you want to improve your sack production, this is your draft. This draft is loaded with edge rushers. I think that you could see a good four or five go in the first round alone, and maybe even the top two picks. Uh, it's entirely possible that Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson go one two. Um, but and it Thibodeau goes could go three. Uh, Thibodeau could go three. Certainly, will probably go in the top ten. This is going deep into the fifth round. So even if you don't get it in the first round, there's also enormous talent that goes deep, uh, both at the safety and the corner. There's this Kyle Ham- Hamilton from Notre Dame is a next level safety. 
Um, but so are Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley are terrific corners. So there's a lot of depth there. The guards and the centers on the offensive line, you can stockpile your future for a long time. There's not a lot of talent in the first couple of rounds, but um, there's deep talent. This is a weak draft on positions like running back, tight end, defensive interior defensive linemen, linebackers. And a lot of folks would say quarterbacks, quarterbacks, it's a very weak. I mean, do you guys want to bank your future? Here's your choices. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Matt Coral, Sam Howell, who has their hand up for their team? I don't know, but I mean, you know, one of those guys could be Tom Brady. I mean, last year, we, two years ago, when was it? We had Trey Lance and, and Mac Jones and, and, who and who and who and everybody thought all these guys are going to be great and we're burying them all. All you know, I I think you can talk about quarterbacks all you want. It's a crapshoot. It's just a total crapshoot. Right, but, but five quarterbacks. Tom Brady went the sixth round. Play. I mean, you know, I wouldn't go for one of these guys before the twentieth pick. Yeah, I just I I think beyond these five guys that we're talking about, just overall as a draft, finding guys who will be your you know second stringer, working them up. A lot of the experts, so to speak, are saying that compared to the depth of, of quarterback drafts, but here's, what's interesting. A lot of people are saying that because of these really, you know, hot names and we ticked off a whole bunch of them wide receiver. Um, it's the five-year average is that there are just about four first round wide receivers taken. And over the last five years, there's 3.6 wide receivers taken in the first round. And so this draft has that, but beyond that, after you get through the first or second round, there's a steep drop off in wide receiver talent. So what I think you're going to see in terms of the depth of this draft is teams who are desperate to get year one starters are going to be trading up teams who already have depth are going to be trading down. I think you're going to see more trades than usual on day one. I think you're going to see a number of teams trading down because they have the depth. They don't need all that. And it's a deep draft for, you know, edge rushers and, and secondary. So that's kind of the, the, the story I mean, on the, the I depth think there could be the five, five, five or six wide receivers taken in the first round. Yes. And a shout out to our, uh, our other bison, our North Dakota, a listener, Tim O'Keefe mm-hmm. and Tatum, um, watch out for Christian Watson. Yeah. He is a specimen from, oh, hold on. I don't want to take that from Pope because Pope's going like to talk DJ. more about Christian Watson. He's like DJ Metcalf. I, I want to leave no. that for Pope, but Christian Watson is the one to watch from North Dakota for Tim and Tatum. Uh, yep. Yep. Clearly, I mean, he, he is one of my sleepers. North Dakota uh, State? 6'5", yards after catch, big guy. Uh, possession receiver bison like you were talking about on third down um has uh has all the talent that you need probably late first round maybe early second no i would think would be round. his ceiling there there's some mock drafts i've seen where he's late first look if you're green bay or kansas city i mean this guy could be a really good asset in any green bay doesn't green bay doesn't draft offense yeah <laughs> Particularly not wide receivers. Yeah, and he's a great kick returner too. I don't know. Pope's right. If you, if you, if you lose, if you lose Devontae Adams and you lose Tyreek, why not take a flyer on this dude? Yeah, it's, and he's not really a flyer. He's just not an elite, you know, top five wide receiver like uh, the guys, the twins from Ohio State, 
uh, you know, Jamison Williams from Alabama and then Drake and um, whoever else we were talking about. So, uh, but, you know, as, I'll, I'll jump in because the Canton misses um, are at the top. I mean, I think you have Aiden Hutchinson who we haven't really, really talked about. I mean, this guy's got, he's got the motor, he's got the, uh, the speed. Um, everybody loves him. Uh, what, what it, it's looking like, I'm not going to, you know, say, you know, this is what I see, but what it's looking like the consensus forming is that Trevion Walker is going to go number one, uh, from Georgia, the speed rusher to, uh, the Jags. They just, they, they love him. They think he's going to fit in well down there, which means Hutchinson's going to fall into the lap of the lions, uh, you know, Michigan guy at two, mm. um, Sauce Gardner, haven't talked about much about him, I think uh, is another can't-miss guy, cornerback. Um, but what's the crazy – isn't there some crazy stat? I don't know if you have this. That, like he didn't give up a touchdown his entire career or so, something crazy like that. He also didn't give up a pass beyond, I think, like 13 yards. Nuts. Yeah, That's that crazy. is nuts. And, no, I think Sauce know, is the number one can't-miss guy. Evan Neal from Alabama, they just churn out uh, tackles. I think he's a can't miss. Uh, and then I think Drake Landon from the receiver standpoint, he may not be the first one drafted, but, I mean, he's got it all. 6'5", speed, um, prototypical Southern Cal receiver. He's going to be – he'll be a, another can't miss. And as far as my sleepers other than the uh, the Bison, uh, I've got the Penn State um, edge rusher Arnold Ibit. Ketai, I think is how you Even pronounce it. for you it. to say. <laughs> uh, you know, is he the next Micah Parsons? Uh, Penn State seems to be churning out those guys. And then Jalen Petrie's safety out of Baylor um, has slipped in some of the mock drafts because of his size. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to use the cliche. He's got a good motor. But he is – he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be uh, a, a tough cornerback um, he's going to play above his size, and I think a team in the late first round would be happy to have him. It's a good motor and nice. twitchy, and we'll get all the cliches in. From wow. The draft. Who, who, who can tell me who Matt Areza is? No idea. Matt Areza is your next Ray guy. He is a punter <laughs> who is going to be drafted in maybe the third or fourth round. Wow. This guy is from San Diego State, and you should see some of the film on this dude. He, you know, I guess special teams, obviously, it's an important part of the game. But if you want like a crazy sleeper in terms of how high an unexpected guy is taken, a punter could be taken the third or fourth round. That's Matt I'll, also tell you, I'll tell you, if you're sticking with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, that's a good investment. <laughs> <to> <laughs> no question about it. Milk. I think, Milk, let's, I think but, it's appropriate, Milk. Who are your diaper dandies tonight? <laughs> for, for uh, listeners who aren't aware my son is having some pooping issues <laughs> I had to take care of throughout right. the episode um, yeah so I tried to pick focus on teams that uh, could make a run in, uh, due to the due to the draft Did you say um, duty? oh wait we're, we're talking about sleepers oh sleepers I thought we were talking yeah, you have any sleepers in the no. draft you didn't have to be a sleeper yeah, he's talking about teams that can make a change through big, some big duty. All right, yeah, big duty. Um, so I so I tried to pick one team that didn't make the playoffs last year and one team that did make the playoffs. Uh, 
and nobody's really talking about them. And I don't know. Well, they're not talking about them because they lost arguably one of the best head coaches in the NFL. But I think people are overlooking the Saints. Um, they've got two picks in the first 20, 16 and 19. I, they have an unbelievable defense, by the way. I don't know how, if, I mean, I would say top, top five defense in the NFL. They, I mean, they literally shut out the Bucks last year in December. Uh, didn't tell them to literally not one point. Um, I think this team could make a move. You know, I was actually legitimately in the beginning part of last year before he got hurt, legitimately worried about Jameis Winston, like that he was a changed man now. And he was playing really well up until the point he got hurt and it was out for the year. And they started, they started your Notre Dame boy at one point at quarterback Ian Brooke or whatever his name is. Book. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he'll play another another down in the NFL. Um, and the trains, you know, the you know the wheels came off, and it was a, a train wreck. But I think they really only need they need a wide receiver. You know, they've got Kamara. Um, they're there at sixteen. Maybe maybe they could get one of these. I don't know, Jamison Wilson or somebody like that. Maybe not. Maybe they could trade down uh, out of that spot. Um, and I think they need like a guard or tackle. You got to give James some protection and, and then address the safety issue that they have. And they, everyone keeps talking about how the bucks are going to steamroll the saints and run over them. And they're going to win the NFC South. I think the saints could be really good. If James Winston comes back and is older and wiser, and he's not making the mistakes that he used to miss that he, and he wasn't, you know, that he used to make in Tampa. I think there's a legitimate shot for the saints to make a run. And this draft could be, could be big for them. Um, the second team that went to the playoffs, obviously, is the Chiefs. I know we've talked about it a little bit. It's insane. They have 12 picks. They have, I think I saw two picks in each of the first four rounds, which is insane. Um, I think, obviously, the problem with the Chiefs is they've got to focus on defense. They need an edge rusher. I think they've got, they lost their one corner, uh, what's his Charvarius Ward, uh, in, in the off season. And then you've got to address the Tyreek Hill issue, of course, but I mean, they've got so much capital to make a move. They might, I could, you could see them trading up maybe to go after one of these top wide receivers, but I mean, 12 picks, you got to get some pressure off of, uh, of, of Mahomes, of course, and, and Kels or Kelsey or whatever the hell. <laughs> um, because they can't do it all. I mean, I think if they address their defense, but I mean, you know, I don't know. What do you guys think on, I've never really bought this whole idea of you have so many draft picks. I mean, you're kind of limited to what's available, you know, in that year. I don't know if the chiefs having 12 picks and I think four of them are in the seventh round. Everyone's making a big deal about how many picks they have, but you know, four of them. Are well, I mean, you get, you get young and fast and, and strong. I mean, that, that does that can't hurt a team, you know, in any way. I mean, I agree. Seventh round picks aren't, you know, yeah. they're, they're seventh round picks for a reason, but even if you get one or two special teams players to fill out a roster, uh, that that's important. You know I mean? Get, that's true. Most of these guys only play the NFL three and a half years. Right. So you're turning over a roster 
every three to four years. And if you can get 12 young, fast, strong guys, uh, that's how you, that's how you build a, build a program. Right. Yeah. I, I think what, what this interesting analysis that milk's giving, what it really illustrates is how feast or famine it can be. If your GM doesn't make the right moves. Cause I, I think milk's right. I mean, these two teams are poised with these kinds of picks that if they make the right moves, the saints could be a player in the NFC South and the, and, and the, the chiefs could be, you know, dominant over time, but if they make the wrong moves could set them back for years. I'm now I'm going to be pretty interested to see, keep an eye on what these two teams pick in the draft. Milk, your team could make a couple of right moves and be poised to go along too. Right. I mean, you, you might pick up the guard that you need to replace your guy who retired yeah, and uh, a running back. You need a running back. You might, you know, otherwise you're in pretty good shape. Hey, I think there are a couple of um, HBCU players who could be sleepers in this draft. One's a quarterback at Alabama A&M named Akeel Glass. And then another guy, Dakobe Durant, uh, is rising up the boards of people like Mel Kuyper and others. Uh, he's a defensive back from South Carolina State. I, I bet you they're both drafted in the third, fourth rounds. So I, I got a couple thoughts, uh, um, not really specific to players, but um, hey, how did NFL players in Las Vegas do managing the city of sin last year? Uh, well, look, look at Henry Ruggs. Well, yeah, Ruggs good. Prison. Not so well, right? And where's the draft taking place this oh, year? Boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We should be there. Oh, yeah, boy. well. Yeah, we probably should. We'd what, use Uber, player, what player will we see whose career is derailed before he signs his actual contract simply because this thing is going down in Vegas Tom Brady. this week? Yeah, Tom Brady. If I'm a sports yeah. agency, I'm chaining them to the desk of their hotel room. Like yeah. you're not moving. Yeah, good, I mean, this is dangerous for some of these guys, and and uh, you know, it's 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 funny, but it's not. I mean, I, I got to tell you, when I started thinking about this, I, Len Bias just kept coming to mind, and and Ugh. and you know, you just hope that that nothing crazy happens, and that all these kids, you know, who are there celebrating a big night for them and and you know a lot of goals and accomplishments reached you know you hope they get out of there safely because it's it's a it's a dangerous environment uh yeah. for 18 19 20 year old kids uh to yeah. be to be getting lots of money it totally is so when can we get our flights there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well listen everybody knows we are far far more mature than right. uh than 25 21 22 year old uh, kids coming out yeah right uh but no real uh, another thought on this is you know i'm curious if you guys think that there's anybody who, who has like teams or players or whatever or, or coaches gms that have really immense pressure on them for this draft and i and there's two teams that jumped out to me and for very different reasons yeah uh the jags you know the jags are are into this uh what are they year two now with uh the kid with the long hair, the girl. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> uh, Trevor Lawrence, and I think they've invested in some offense. That you know, they I know they signed uh, 
Brandon Scherf on the on the offensive line. I think they picked up a, somebody. I'm forgetting they they picked they someone Christian else. Up. Kirk. I think they spent like yeah. 200 million dollars in the offseason. Yeah, and and I think they've got some pressure on them uh, to to have a good draft night. Yeah. Uh, and then for a different reason, the Chargers. You know, the Chargers were a trendy Super Bowl pick last year. They're in. They you know as we've talked about on this podcast before. Man, the AFC's loaded with talented teams and they're the one that sort of you know you look at and you think they could get passed by very quickly by of course the Chiefs Cincinnati Buffalo um you know where the where the Chargers gonna gonna fall so I think there's a lot of pressure on those two teams but again very different reasons um but they they, they have to have good draft nights I think you're right because and because of the mess that Urban Meyer created you know, the, 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 the circus that they endured, I think they don't take a flyer on, on, um, on, uh, Watson, a Walker, Trayvon Walker, which he's more of a, you know, huge upside, but, but risk projection. And he didn't, he's really not what people were seeing on film. They're, they're projecting what he could be. Um, I think for that reason, they're going to go Hutchinson, which is a safer bet. They, they just can't afford to screw up this year. And right. uh, I think the Chargers need an offensive lineman in a bad way. Here's a question. I, I, I'm going to go Homer for a second for all five of us, because I think this is pretty interesting. To, I always think it's these teams that take a quarterback and you're like, what? The, the, the Packers took a quarterback and, of course, the Eagles as well. But. All right, so Bison, the commanders, now have Carson Wentz as commander. Milk, you've got Brady back. You've got Kyle Trask as the heir apparent. Dak, I don't know. I mean, he's had really good statistical uh, years, but they haven't done anything in the playoffs. Uh, what's his face? Says he's committed to Daniel Jones. Our coach and GM says they're committed to Jalen. Which one of our teams do you think drafts a quarterback? This year, so I, yeah, I'd be surprised if Washington didn't. I mean, Washington has a roster spot available because uh, you know Kyle Allen was the was the other guy on the roster, and he's gone. So Washington has Carson, and they have uh, Heineke, uh, Heineken, right? But uh, but they have an open spot, and Carson, of course, you know, is on a one year playing out, you know, one year contract that really doesn't. They can they can cut him without any repercussions. Okay, if it but we, go we well. know what that does to his head when a quarterback is drafted over his shoulder. Same thing True. goes to you, Rooster. I mean, is the first message that Dable sends to this guy is here? We've got someone looking over your shoulder. Do they take a quarterback? No, I think Shone has made it clear that uh, Danny Dimes has one more year to prove himself, and so we're not taking a quarterback this year. And, and if, if we need a quarterback, they're going to be looking at a better quarterback class next year. Milk? Anything's better than this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be surprised if Tampa took a quarterback. We took Trask in the second round last year. That's all you um, need. You know, I, and the lack of depth <laughs> in this class. Um, plus, Brady will be around for another five years, so we're fine. And what about Dakota Rain? Does he get an heir apparent drafted behind him? Not this year. I mean, we got Cooper Rush, and 
Who's yeah, that? Who's of that? course you do. That that answers all questions. Well, oh, I mean, Cooper. You know, look, he he won he won that that uh, Monday night game that uh, they got all fired up about when Dak was out last year. So uh, I don't I don't see a quarterback in this draft that that Jerry and Steven are even really talking about being interested in, which of course means they'll trade up and draft one. But um, I don't, I don't think they need a quarterback in this draft and I hope they don't draft one. I think the team with some serious pressure is the Panthers. Mm. I mean, they they got a coach sitting there thinking I need to draft somebody to save my job. But if they draft at six, one of these quarterbacks, it's the dumbest thing they could do. They should trade if, if they get a quarter. They need a quarterback. They should trade down. Trade way down. Absolutely. I mean, you can get pick. You can get Pickett at 17, 18, 19. Yep. Um, assuming that he's your number one pick. But I think you're only. Team. I think your only super lock in the first round. I, I have to believe is the Steelers. That they they essentially have no quarterback. I right, think they might right. go with their home guy Pickett from Pitt. Uh, but I, I think you're going to see the Steelers take them. I'm very interested to see who takes Malik Willis and what that story ends up being. I mean, Liberty, a Liberty quarterback. Yeah. Liberty. I mean, I don't yeah. even know anyone in Virginia who's ever been to a Liberty game. <laughs> I didn't even know they had a football team. Uh, yeah. What's his name's the coach? The old Miss guy. They got fired. Hugh Freeze? Yeah. He's again. Coach. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah. Well, good luck to your teams. I'm excited to see how the Giants yeah. fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. That'll By be the great. way, watch for somebody to pick. It's going to be the uh, rebirth of the New York football Giants. I think uh, we haven't heard that before. Who milk? Not Corral in the first rounds. I think it's stupid. But... Yeah, I think he goes second. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, uh, it'll be fun. And I'm sure that we will uh, be busting each other's chops over the terrible picks our teams make. So. Looking forward to it. Have fun. All right. Um, time to punch some people in the face. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. More as solo. But tonight. Don't call it a comeback. I'm going to start this one off. Man, Rooster, what is a couple up of bad with apples, bro? fans, man. Oh, oh my god, couple of bad apples. And, bad I, and I hope the guy news. from Philly doesn't j- join in on this piling on business. What I mean, so look, here's the story. I mean, I think I guess it was Saturday and a game between the uh, the Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians. Um, the guards were up uh, i guess they were up 4 to 4 to 3 and uh game got a little testy apparently uh and then there was a there was a double that's tied the game up 4-4 four, four in the bottom of the ninth and then uh uh somebody singled the singled in the winning run uh and and all of a sudden you know the Yankees win the Yankees win and the fans decide you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start throwing some you're beers. You're leaving trash. a couple. You're leaving an important fact uh, out, Bison. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Sore you know, winners. Okay. Uh, maybe there was a little trash talk from yeah. one of the outfielders of the Maybe Guardians, the outfielder but... tried to climb the wall and fight those fans before that. But he probably just Gamble it. had tried that. 
Yeah. <laughs> this might have been going on at the Cubs game last Thursday. I don't know. Look, yeah. look, don't throw shit on the field. No, I don't totally agree when you with win. You. Totally don't agree throw with you. stuff at the other team when you win the game. I mean, you win the game. Right. You know. And, then, and they were, I guess one of them threw like a beer can too. So, no, yeah. totally and agree. I, I Bad these... apples should be punched. Yes. But this yeah. outfielder needs to know better. You don't go climbing the damn wall in the Bronx threatening to fight some of the fans. This Dumb guy moves. you wanted to fight too looked like he had, he was, you know, like a hot one hot dog short of 350 pounds and and uh <laughs> probably would not have done so well if he got into a fight with a major league player, but um whatever. New York, it's, come on, you you're better than that. Well, I don't know about that. Hey, I went to the, <laughs> I went to the Rays game yesterday and it was just a very civilized experience and well there were first of all there was nobody in the outfield stand so there's that's the difference <laughs> yeah we had, we had yeah. a couple thousand there come on hey i have a uh, i have a mlb trivia question for you lads uh can you name the two teams who have 10 wins already the uh oh. the milwaukee brewers have 10 wins astros Oh, the Blue Jays. No, the Astros are are playing like crap. Yeah, the Blue Jays um, are the Blue Jays do. And and so do um the Cardinals. The two teams as of yesterday are the Blue Jays, you're correct, Milk, and the New York Yankees, who are in first place in the oh, AL East. God. Thank oh, you God. very much. I did not know they had I think the Yankees are like twelve and five now. Right? They're they're actually playing really well. Yeah, really yeah, as of yesterday, they were like ten and Nobody six. Nobody cares. Tied with the Blue Jays. And Garrett Nobody Cole's back, bro. He's, he's cheating back. again. No, he's not. He's back. He's just decided if he can throw ninety eight, he might as well throw strikes instead of trying to throw everything two yeah. two inches. That was a heck of an outing after that last Who's... outing where he went one and two thirds. Anybody job. else have another punchable face? Um. I'm going to punch. Let's do it. Every remaining part of this guy's body that doesn't hurt. Cause I got to tell you guys this morning um, after a weekend away in Chicago, where I slept on a very soft mattress, I woke up with a bad back Oh, and yet I am ready to play for the nets or the Sixers or any other team that wants a five, six white Jewish guy on their team. But Ben Simmons is just a unbelievable little bitch. And I don't need to say anything beyond Stephen A. Smith or any of the NBAers, because there's a ton of people now coming out of the woodwork on Twitter, destroying this guy. But look, it's bad enough what he did to, to the Sixers. You understand this whole thing where we are today is because a guy couldn't handle that a coach and a star player were upset that he gave up the basketball instead of dunking it against the Hawks. He passed the ball and he shot poorly from the free throw line and they criticized that. And he stuck a pacifier in his mouth and he went home, not just from one team, but two teams for an entire year. And he kept teasing the Nets and KD and their coach, Steve Nash and their fans. I'm playing. I'll be there soon. Oh, did you see the video last week where he dunks in practice and he looks over? He goes, make sure you got that on camera. Oh, wow. Did you see that one where he wanted to prove to the media? I'm ready to go. Make sure you got that on camera for all the haters out there. 
Give and you know, a- that comment by Embiid was taken completely out of context because the full comment really wasn't throwing um, Simmons under the bus. He, he was loves- saying we all had, we all yes. did some things that we shouldn't have done to lose that game, including not taking a layup. I cannot think in recent sports memory of someone with this much potential talent who self-detonated so much on himself and on multiple teams. And, um, you know, I don't think the Nets have any chance against the Celtics, but when you're down 3-0 and you're playing at home and you are surrounded by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and your coach says, we just want you for some spot minutes, maybe five, 10 minutes. You mean to tell me you cannot get over your little baby bottle milk and your little hurt back to get in the game for a and, few minutes? His, his poopy diaper. His poopy yeah. diaper and beads playing with a torn ligament a torn up three one up his three one. His thumbs killing him, and he's How, playing. I, I, you know, I know, I know, we're punching Simmons here, and and he. By the way, I think he's now past Dan Snyder for most times nominated and awarded punchable face. But yep. doesn't he have an agent who is like? Is yes. there nobody talking it's, to anybody saying? Dude, we got to get out of this fucking hole. Like, we got to get out of this hole somehow. Is there nobody? Is there nobody with any sense around this guy? Isn't he represented by Clutch? Yeah, he's yeah. represented by Rich Paul yeah. and Clutch. And, yeah, and isn't his agent saying they're more about entertainment than they are about guiding young players to make wise decisions? Right. Isn't right. somebody saying to this guy, I've got an idea. Why don't you sit on the bench? in a nice gray sweatsuit and blend <laughs> into the back or maybe even right. your team wear instead of looking like a human Pez dispenser. I mean, this guy <laughs> is like, he looks like Randy rainbow sitting there on the side. Yeah. <laughs> He's just an asshole. And I he just is. think we have to punch him. He's for everything. Well, well paid asshole. I heard, I heard that uh, the story was that his doctor said, if you have 10 straight pain-free days, you're, you can play. And he, on the ninth day, they lost the, the third game of this series. And the next day he tells the Nets, oh, my back hurts. Again. Wow. I yeah. don't think he wants to be in a game where they're swept out. Well, it's an I, they they got to trade him to, to someplace like, you know, Indiana or Toronto. Orlando or you know Sacramento. You know who will take him? Sacramento. Le- Le- LeBron and the Lakers. Well, oh. he didn't. He should not. Have that that's that's, that's a bad. That's a bad place for him to end up. Mm-hmm. That's a bad place for him to end up. Unless he really doesn't have any, you know, issues with right. pressure and all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a good punch, though. Anybody? Any other punches? I, Milk, what do you got? Can I, can I slap someone real quick? Sure. Yeah. Slap anyone you want. I want to slap Red Bull because you guys hear about this weekend the stunt they tried to do. No. Yeah. No. no, this is great. So Red Bull decided to do this stunt where two planes were going to be flying and the pilots were going to jump out of each plane into the other ones. And what? Then- what? You got to see. You ever heard of this? this plane to plane into the other plane? No, no, no. They were both flying. They were going to jump out of their respective airplanes. They were going to initiate a free fall dive by the planes. Through some some equipment they had on there, 
Then they were going to jump out of their planes and skydive over to the other person's plane and take control of it. Okay. That was the stunt. Well, sounds like a bad idea. So they, they're going, they initiate this free fall dive by the planes. They, they jump out. And of course, one of the planes goes into a free fall spiral. <laughs> so there's no dive. co-pilot on board. Crash, fucking crashes. <laughs> like, there are guys trying to parachute to avoid getting hit by the plane. It's an absolute disaster. <laughs> Um, so I thought, I thought we would slap Red Bull a little so, bit. So did they do this over like a high population area or it was out in the desert or whatever? Oh, all right. By the way, there's footage of all of this. Somebody, oh, man. somebody tweet out the footage. We got, we got yeah, to see get this yeah. up on the SMQ Twitter. Sounds like the Giants that's, draft. Okay. Clearly, go ahead. That's a good one. Clearly not Christian Horner's idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. No. no, he would have been talking about it if it was. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if only Max had been in one of the planes. Right. Yeah, I know. All right. Any other punchables? This plane sucks. <laughs> good, good, good ones. That's a good one. Yeah, we got to tweet that out. I want to see that footage. All right. It's time for a little lasso moment. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> I got two. Mm. Wow. Wow. So first, um, we got it. We got it. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's not a lasso, but it's got to be talked about. Miguel Cabrera. Oh, with yes. His 3000th hit. And, and really just remarkable. And, and, you know, you forget this guy's been playing for 20 years. Uh, there's some really great footage I was watching of, of him versus Clemens in the world series when he's like a 20 year old kid and, and Clemens comes in high and tight on the first pitch. I mean, real high and real tight on the first pitch to him. And then he goes, you know, fouls off about 10 or 12 pitches in a row and, and takes Clemens deep the opposite way. Wow. It's pretty, pretty impressive for a 20 year old. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't even remember if we knew how great, you know, he would, you know, people thought that he would become this great player like that. I mean, but I don't think that you really ever think that you're going to get to anybody's going to get to 3,500 home runs. You want to hear the list of people that Miguel Cabrera joined in the 3,000 hit 500 home run club? I think there's two. No, there's more than that. But, but because there's also, to, but about 3,500 plus 300 batting average. Did you see that? No. I, okay. Well, let me do this one yeah. and I'll come back to that. Yeah. So here's the 3,500 home runs. And we're going to throw some asterisks up here for sure. We've got, a fraud, okay, mm-hmm. he's in the club. Mm-hmm. Pujols, who, by the way, is I think uh, courtesy of Tad Thomas. I understand he's nineteen home runs short of seven hundred. Pujols said, "No, he'll make it. He, he's going to make it." You got Willie Mays, Rafael Palmero, asterisk, Eddie Murray, Hank Aaron, and Miggy. That's the club with 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. And I believe that 3,500 and 300 batting average is just Aaron, Mays, and Miggy. Wow. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's a guy, and and I'm sorry, but talk about taking for granted how great he is. You forget he's even playing. So would a Ted Williams have like 400 and something home runs or? He didn't get to 500. 
I don't know. He That's clearly had over 3,000 hits, but I don't know that he got to 500. Yeah. Runs. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, Miggy won the AL MVP in 13 and uh, I'm sorry, 12 and 13. He won four AL batting titles, uh, 11 all-star appearances, and he has the 17th ever MLB triple crown, which he won in 2012. And by the way, here we are talking about him in 2022. So uh, that's that's a hell of a career, hell of an accomplishment. And that's that's uh, one of my lassos for this week. First Venezuelan to get 3,000 hits. There you go. There Cheers you go. Miggy. And the Marlins traded him. Yeah. Wow. Of course they did. Mm. Of course they did. All right, I got another one, but does anybody else have a lasso before I give my second one? All go right, so – Here's the, here's my second lasso. So 80% of the SMQBs went on a little field trip this week. <laughs> and uh, we, we ended up in the, in the bleachers at Wrigley field on a picture perfect night of baseball under the lights. Somehow it was sandwiched in between two uh, horrendous days of, of rain and cold weather. We had a, we had a beautiful night and got to experience all that is of Wrigley. Now, when I started it's thinking about background. this report, yeah, when we started thinking about this report, I started this off as a punchable face for sure, because there were some people in front of us, well, a person who she was sort of annoying. I'm not going to lie, but, but here's where it turns for me. All right. So I wasn't aware of this tradition and maybe you guys were, but. There is a tradition uh, uh, in the bleachers at Wrigley of collecting beer cups and stacking them together to make a beer snake. You can see a picture in my background. I didn't use a picture from our night there to protect the uh, the identities of some of the perpetrators. Um, and, but so there is a picture of it. But here's why this is a lasso. Everybody in the section was coming together and looking. I couldn't believe it. People all over the bleachers were bringing their cups over, and they wanted to see this snake get made. They wanted to see it get bigger and bigger. I mean, I'm telling you, from about the fourth inning on, when this thing started getting put together, I think every batter, somebody came over and handed over an empty beer cup. And it was really like we live in kind of a of a more punchable face of the week era right now than a Ted Lasso era. But in the bleachers at Wrigley Field, the camaraderie, not just rooting for the team, but the desire to build a beer snake is perhaps <laughs> one of the only things that we could get everybody on the same page for that I've seen in a long Long time. Let's not so, forget. Let's not forget the dad who directed his little six-year-old son to bring over three empty <laughs> beer cups. That's right. That's well, right. That's, and, and that's, so. that's because that's because the son got a baseball, courtesy of our good buddy Ryan Rapley, who that's was right. who was that's the uh, beneficiary of a ball being thrown between innings and might have uh, taken it out of Chris's uh, hands. Yeah, go-go uh, and, gadget Rapley with his yeah. freaking eight-foot arm. He gave it to the six-year-old, and you should have seen the smile on that six-year-old. Yeah. And, and, and I, I thought the beautiful thing was over. the beautiful thing was in this time of uh, COVID that our own house was was 
so so moved by all this that he licked almost every one of those cups. That's because I had COVID two weeks before I was able to do that. We now know that that you don't die if you lick the the beer (laughs) snake. Well, I you know I I didn't know that before we went to Wrigley, and now it's it's good to know. It is for the uh, for the the uh, camaraderie. And the just overall good vibes of the Wrigley Faithful and the Bleachers, you get a lasso this week. It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, keep it up, guys. Uh, uh, it's a better the world's a better place when we're making the beer snakes. Well, than not, so. I mean, you know, Wrigley Field is the, is what the other than Fenway, the last classic baseball stadium that we have. I mean, how can you not have the good? feel of a lasso when you go sit in the bleachers at uh at Wrigley and, and have an old style and a brat or maybe a Diet Coke, right? Right. That's right. And listen, if you haven't done it, if you haven't gone and sat in the bleachers at Wrigley, make do it. It's worth it. It was it was a great time. And right field still sucks. Right field sucks. Right. <laughs> Shout out to our uh Wrigley crazies that we met in the bleachers too. That's yeah, right. listen that's to right. the pod that's and right. have your friends all listen. Anybody got anything else this week? That's it. Draft week. All right. Good luck. Good luck, I hope boys. All your teams good luck. Go, team. go Sixers. Go Sixers. All shit. Go Mavs. Let's go, watch, Mavs. let's go watch the sweep tonight at seven. Yeah. <laughs> See y'all. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.